This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. About five years ago, Jesse Zaretti suffered such a deep and suffocating depression that it threatened his livelihood and his life. He channeled much of what he experienced into his guitar, and the music he created became Moon's Blood, the new technical death album from the New Jersey outfit Binary Code. A lot of the album was written while I was going through some serious psychological episodes. It definitely has played a, a massive effect on the music that I've written in the past. Like I noticed that a lot of the stuff that I wrote was very brooding and dark and I think it came from a slow build-up to where I eventually hit that moment of being incredibly depressed. And I think hitting that point and acknowledging it helped me bring myself back down to not feeling like that. Jesse wrote Moon's Blood more than four years ago, but the album just hit stores a couple of weeks ago. So I'll talk with Jesse about having to relive this dark period of his life every night on the road and how influences far away from metal make its way into his music. It's a heady conversation, so stay with us. Before we get to our interview, I want to ask you, the listener, how would you like to have a nationally touring metal vocalist record your outgoing voicemail greeting? Or how about joining me in an interview with a major metal artist for an upcoming episode of Metal Brainiac? These can be yours by becoming a Brainiac Booster. You, the listener, will always get to hear the show for free. But for as little as $1 every month, you can support the work I do and keep it coming to you every week. So please, can you spare a dollar? All the details are on our website, MetalBrainiac.com. And thank you so much for your support. Let's step into my conversation with Jesse Zaretti, the creative mastermind of Binary Code, and talk about the process behind writing Moon's Blood. You composed this in a relatively quick, or at least a normal time frame. You recorded it in 2012, or at least you had all the music written in 2012. It's four years since then. I can imagine that you've grown, evolved as an artist just in all that time. Does Moon's Blood really represent where you're at now, or did it become almost antiquated for you long before the release even came out? Were you writing new music and continuing to grow even though people hadn't been able to hear this music? That's a really good question. Actually, the progression of like the music, like if you listen to the album, like you'll hear stuff that's more abrasive and then you'll hear stuff that has more of like an ambient kind of thing going on. That shows the natural progression of the songwriting process and like where we were going. Like the album definitely has like a foreshadowing effect to it where you have songs like Moon's Blood and Immersion, those songs are incredibly representative of the path that we kind of started working towards. I already have like a, a new album that's pretty much written. I have seven songs written for a new album. I started writing it immediately after we we started tracking drums. I was like, well, I'm going to start writing then. So the new album is going to be way more focused on the things that we feel were most representative of where we're at now as musicians. So you're going to hear more ambient, you know, groove-oriented stuff from us. And the new stuff, it takes my influences even like a step further where I get to bring in and introduce my elements of, you know, having like an affinity for Ding and The Police and U2 and, you know, all those different artists. Like I'm kind of working them into our sound a little bit, but keeping our heaviness. And that was kind of starting to seep through when, when we were 
at the tail end of the writing process for Moon's Blood. I want to touch on all those elements that you talked about. We're getting way ahead of ourselves in terms of all the process that's led to this. You formed this band back in the early 2000s, if I'm correct. At that time, were you kind of the leader and the, the main songwriter at that time? Because I know you're the only original member left. Did it evolve to where it became your animal over time? How did things start and where did they progress to where it became really your band? I feel like every other recording that we ever did was a collaborative effort between me and my drummer. I always wrote with the band like in the studio like we always like would we would rehearse and when we would rehearse we'd start jamming and then sometimes a song would come from it so at one point it was my drummer and i just writing you know we'd spend a lot of time in the studio and we'd write songs and that's where the songs would come from so at that point it was more collaborative but with this release i just did everything by myself moon's blood is the first one where it's it's everything was written in advance and recorded by me in advance and i just kind of put everything down on my own and you know i distributed it so everybody can kind of put their twist on it so to speak but my singer had full control over his voice stuff what he did and with the vocal producer john douglas like they both worked on that but the next release it's going to be the same process it's going to be here's all the music that i wrote but we're going to pick it apart as a group and we're going to refine it and we've already actually started doing that how did it get to where you were the sole composer? Did you just have such a plethora of songs yourself that you felt like if you didn't take that sole creative control that these things just wouldn't come out? Or did it happen more by happenstance that you became the sole composer of the band, at least up to this point? I think what it came down to is I really started getting into production, like my home studio that I started to build at that time. I didn't have one before that, so it was really like when I could record music was when I worked at the studio. Like when we did the Priest DP, I worked with the guy who owned the studio to record that together. And then when I started doing my own recordings and I was just kind of testing it out, I was like, wow, you know, like I could really turn these into songs and we could make these work. So it came down to it was really cool that I had the ability to record myself and get the ideas down. It was also a combination of the fact that I was really busy with where I was working at the time and I didn't have as much time to jam with the band. So it was kind of when I had free time, I would write the music. So it was really a sporadic kind of thing. And it's very unlike most people who write music. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on it over time and like piecemeal. It would be kind of like an all in one shot kind of thing. I'd spend like a whole weekend writing a song and get it done instead of like, oh, you know, I've been writing a song for the past like three weeks to a month. So songs would kind of pop up out of the blue. And I think that that was just a result of being so busy with like my work life at the time. In retrospect, like I'm not mad that I couldn't dedicate myself to the band more consistently, but like now I'm so involved with these guys that like writing music is actually something that I have to put off intentionally because I'm so involved with the band that I can sit down and write music all day, but I really need to remember that I still have to play this album, which we've been playing for over a year so so is moon's blood does it really represent a snapshot in time or does it represent a span of where this band has been and where it's going it's part snapshot and part kind of like a glimpse some of the stuff that i wrote at the time came from like a certain mind frame that i was in that i that i'm not in anymore can you talk about that frame of mind a little bit basically Whenever something pops up in my mind, and for example, I went through a depression, and it was a, it was a severe depression. It was really bad. It was it, it affected just about every aspect of my life. And during that time, I was actually capable of still writing music somehow, which was really weird because I was very distracted by 
how I was feeling, but at the same time, like, my musical creativity was, like, at a, at a high point. Like, I was writing a, one song per day every other week. I could just pump something out. And that happened for, like, five songs on the album. And for me, the sound, just hearing the songs, I, I remember exactly how I was feeling when I wrote it because it was just one day. It wasn't, you know, weeks at a time. So I can be taken right back to that feeling that I had. And Moon's Blood is one of them in particular where it's like, wow, I really remember exactly what was going on. Like, we had the Hurricane Sandy had hit New Jersey, and it was probably a week after I started really feeling super depressed, and when, when I say depressed, I'm not talking about like a teenager in his bedroom who's like upset at the world, I'm talking crippling depression. We had no electricity for about two and a half weeks where I was living, and the whole entire area was like post-apocalyptic looking. There was just trees falling all over the roads, you couldn't go anywhere, there were 300 cars per town waiting in line at gas stations, you know, it was it was total insanity, so... When I took all that and put it together, I was able to kind of formulate this idea for this song, which was Moon's Blood's based on an apocalyptic scenario, so to speak, coupled with the psychological aspect of things. And I wrote it on acoustic guitar because I didn't have electricity. So it was just one of those things where it's like I remember the day that I wrote it, and then I remember the day the electricity came back on. And like one of the first things I did was I wrote it down in pre-production, and I recorded the whole thing. And it just kind of translates to the much of the theme of the album, because a lot of the album was written while I was going through some serious psychological episodes. Has this level of depression fed your artistic output? Has it fed your creativity before? Or have you ever experienced that level of depression before until what you just talked about that led to the writing of Moon's Blood? No, I'd never experienced anything like that before. I mean, I, I, there's definitely, you know, I was depressed before that, I'm sure. Not, not to that extent, you know, just like little small, like winter blues kind of bouts of it. You know, I can't even honestly, because I was so unaware of my emotions before that, like how I was affected by things, I don't even think I really knew exactly how I felt a lot of the time. But once I experienced this level of depression, you know, I had to talk to somebody about it. So it was definitely like marked down, like, dude, you have depression. You need to, we need to talk about this. Once it was determined, like, yeah, you're, you're depressed, I was really able to kind of take it in and focus on the fact that I had it and kind of acknowledge it and become cognizant of the fact. And it definitely has played a, a massive effect on the music that I've written in the past. Like, I noticed that a lot of the stuff that I wrote was very brooding and dark, and I think it came from a slow buildup to where I eventually hit that moment of being incredibly depressed. And I think hitting that point and acknowledging it helped me bring myself back down to not feeling like that. What's kind of interesting to me is that you said about half the record was written under the throes of this depression. And I was wondering if it was difficult for you both to put this out in a public form and to lay bare this depression in a sense, and then to couple it with songs that weren't written under that umbrella, that cloud. And in your head, it must seem like in some ways two different records. I definitely think it like divided the album in a sense, but I tried to organize the track listing in a sense where there was like a contrast between the two. It wasn't just like a consistent, you know, like here's dark stuff and then all of a sudden here's the light stuff. I tried to kind of pair it in, in a sense where it kind of made sense, but for me it does feel like almost two EPs in a sense. Just kind of like looking at the five songs that I remember writing post the depression, they have like a dark sound to it, but it, you can kind of tell that I was coming to terms with the depression. So it, there's a slight like positive element to those songs, even though it's coming from that mind point. It's really weird to look back at like all together. Like it, I realize things as I'm telling you about this stuff, you know, and one of the things that I realized is like, wow, you know, like I think 
a lot of those songs, I was writing them like I was coming to terms with depression. I wasn't maybe necessarily under this, you know, depressive spell, so to speak, you know? Before we get to the second half of my conversation with Jesse, let's hear the title track of Binary Code's new album. This is Moon's Blood on Metal Brainiac. Hey Brainiacs, I already told you about how you can become a Brainiac Booster for all sorts of cool rewards, but here's another great way you can support the show without spending an extra penny. If you shop on Amazon for anything, a portion of your purchase price can go directly to this show. Just use the link on our homepage and bookmark it. Use it every time you shop Amazon, simple as that. Now let's get back to my conversation with Jesse Zaretti of Binary Code. When you're talking about writing through the depression, or at least coming up with these ideas, do they manifest themselves musically first, or are they lyrically first? You know, when, do they have tangible form that way, or how how does this depression come out in a tangible sense in your music? Lyrics came very last, 
Oded joined the band about a year after the music was written. We actually took him into the band. Oded Weinstock is my singer. He joined the band after we started tracking guitar. So he, he joined about halfway through the recording. So he had all of the songs ready and given to him in pre-production form so he could write his lyrics. And i got to be honest with you, I kind of prefer it that way. Vocals are a massive part of music, but it would be almost kind of like looking at like a movie without music. For example, No Country for Old Men, there's no music until the end of it. And without that music, it creates a, a certain tone, and I think that we have a certain tone to our music, so the music needs to come first. The technical term for the way that I write, it's uh, hypomania, which is these spurts of creativity, which is actually called a creative illness. It's just a very strange thing where all of a sudden, I'll sit down and an entire song gets written and recorded in a couple of days and then my singer gets it and he does his thing at some point. He's very collaborative, like he really wants a lot of input on stuff, so it's not necessarily that the lyrics are just given to him and he's just kind of given like free range with that. He really likes the involvement. I think it's always going to kind of be that way. I think Oded needs the music first, you know, he can't write down the lyrics without the music to set the tone. So when you're talking about writing through the depression, or at least half these songs being written under that auspice or the cloud of that, you're talking musically. How does that play out musically in terms of, is it chord changes? Is it the lengths of how long you hold the notes? How does it manifest musically in the way you can hear it? The way that it comes to me, is I hear a lot of the music in my head first, and I'm capable of translating what I'm hearing into actual notation. So say, for example, I'm like driving somewhere or I'm, you know, at work or something, I'll hear something in my head and I, I really do feel like in my mind I'm more of a drummer than I am a guitar player. So I'm hearing like the drums to this guitar riff that's coming up in my head and I'll be able to hold on to it and then I'll sit down at a computer, I'll have the notation software open, I'll write it down and then I'll pick up the guitar at that point and then I'll start learning the stuff and then I'll, from that point I'll start kind of shaping the song together and then I just kind of write the drums out, the bass and everything, you know, the synthesizers, all that stuff gets programmed out. And then it gives me this really cool opportunity to look back at the music and make changes, whereas in the past it used to be this, you know, you go to the studio, you record it, and then like a year later you're listening to the music and you're like, oh, you know how cool it would have been if we did this? Like I have every opportunity to make those changes after I do pre-production, which is the coolest part about it. And you also chart your music. You compose on musical notation. So obviously you had music education growing up. Talk about your background a little bit and what led you to, you said you think as a drummer first, but yet you're the guitarist in this band. Talk about your musical upbringing. What styles of music were you playing? And did you go to conservatory or did you study formally? I did study for a short amount of time. When I was in high school, when I moved to New Jersey in 2002, I was 16 years old. I started playing guitar maybe like two months before I moved up here. I signed up to be in band because I thought it would be really cool. I don't think I really quite understood what band in school meant. I didn't realize it meant like, you know, all the brass and woodwinds and orchestral instruments. So when I signed up for band, when I moved up here and I, you know, was playing guitar, the guitar section of the band was basically three people. <laughs> And one of the nastiest guitar players that I know was one of the guys in my, my band class. His name is Tom Monda. He's in a band called Thank You Scientist, who's doing really well right now. So I had this amazing guitar player sitting in the hallway outside of the band room with me who was basically creating this massive envy for me where it's like, oh my God, I want to play guitar like this guy so badly. He was just so, I mean, even back then. And it just really drove me to want to be a better guitar player, like seeing somebody so talented every day that I had to go to band class. 
from that point on, I started signing up for the music theory classes in school, and I took three years of that. And then I uh, got accepted into William Patterson University for music, and I studied that for a little while. It wasn't really my thing. I ended up switching over to psychology, oddly enough. I just kind of pursued the path of using the small amount of music theory knowledge that I had to translate into my songwriting skills, I guess you could say, not so much my, my technical musicianship. I think it actually had the opposite effect on me. I feel like I was very turned off by the competitive nature of music school, and I think it drove me to want to be a songwriter over a shred god. To me, it's like I can't compete with these people. I'm just not that kind of guitar player, so why don't I just try and write better songs than, you know, than they play amazing notes. So I think it just kind of turned me in a totally different direction, which is weird for metal because a lot of metal guys, they want it's very competitive and extreme sportish and for me, it's just a complete opposite at this point. I've been rounding my edges, so to speak, instead of sharpening them. And you perform in a pretty technically demanding form of metal. You mentioned early in our conversation that you draw influences from U2 and the police and Sting. And what drew you to this extreme form of metal then if you were turned off, A, to the competitive element of being that kind of a guitarist, and you were majoring in psychology, you had these more intellectual pursuits, what was it about this more extreme form of progressive metal that drew you as a player and a composer? Just pre-depression, I was such an incredibly angry person. I would say I was angry from much of my life, and I think that the aggressive tone to extreme metal and heavy metal and all that all that stuff really just kind of drew me in. I mean, I remember my first time hearing something heavy that made me want to listen to it, and that would be like hearing White Zombie. I thought it was like the meanest sounding music that you could possibly hear. Little did I know there was this whole world of underground death metal going on, you know, around me living in Florida at the time, and then I heard Mudvayne, and it was incredibly angry sounding, but it was also very well composed and songwriting heavy, but it was also technical, which I had no idea about until later on in life when I started studying music a little bit. So I think it just came down to the tone of the music. For me, when somebody tells me that they can't get into screaming and heavy music, like I can't quite understand how people could completely ignore it because it's like life isn't just happy emotions. Like people go through a million different emotions in their life and anger is a massive part of people's lives, even if they don't realize it. I mean, it's, it drives everything, the way people are about politics and all these, you know, social media topics. Like, there's a lot of anger in people, and I feel like they're avoiding an emotion instead of, like, kind of actualizing it. And for me, listening to heavy music and getting drawn to it has really made me come to terms with, like, what an angry person I was. And I'm a completely different person at this point because of the way heavy metal has really shaped me as a musician. That's interesting that heavy metal helped draw you out of your anger and helped you move beyond that. Your early motivations were the anger that drew you into the music. You said you've moved far beyond that. You suffered a really debilitating round of depression. Can you talk about what your motivations are, your artistic motivations are now, as opposed to 10, 12 years ago? I would say 10, 12 years ago, I was the angry teenager who was having family issues, and a lot of my issues that I had before I moved up to New Jersey were still there within me. And now, as a 30-year-old who's 
I love my life. I love everything about my life. I like who I am as a person. I'm confident. I have, you know, a great life going for myself, and I'm very grateful of it. Now it's like I still write some of the riffs that we have for this new stuff that we're writing for the future. It's some of the meanest sounding stuff that I have, but with a layer of ambient, melodic and shoegazy kind of sounds going over it, where it's like it kind of balances out the tension that's in the music. So I'm never going to be able to avoid the fact that I, you know, my personality is what it is. You know, I have a very dark, nihilistic outlook on life, but at the same time, like I'm very like realistic and I acknowledge all of the good things about life. So I think the music is just incredibly representative of myself as a person. It's it's really weird to like know that I'm actually creating something that is representative of me versus a lot of these metal bands out there who are writing music because they just want a career out of it. Or they're they're painting these fictionalized pictures, you know, these fantasy sort of pictures. And you just said you have this underpinning of nihilism within you, despite the fact that you said you have a great life, you're very happy now. Is it harder for you to muster, by the word you use, these nasty rhythms, these nasty riffs? And is it harder to come up with that now when that isn't so much permeating your being, your soul, as it was yesteryear? It's actually not. It's really weird. Like when we we rehearse once a week and we get together, a lot of our rehearsal, there's these moments where we just kind of all like play our instruments for a little bit. And some of the riffs that I write, I think it just kind of comes natural to me. It's like if music is a voice to me, it's like my first language is to write dark sounding guitar riffs. But there's also the psychological aspect to me, which is like I get myself. I also want to hear something nice over those riffs. And it's so weird. Like, I wish I could just show everybody what I'm talking about. But, like, we have these riffs that are super dark sounding. And then layered over it are these very 1990s synthy pop kind of layers of guitars and synths that are somehow very complementary to the dark riffs. And they just kind of take the scale and throw it balanced, which is weird because I didn't add that element. You would just have one side of my personality. You wouldn't be, be able to hear the rest of it. You mentioned that you're kind of moving in this direction of blending in or being much more obvious about blending in some of these other influences. I'm wondering how you manage that balance. Is it as you start composing, are you having to be deliberate and say, well, you know, we are a metal band. If I go too far overboard in this one direction, that's too much U2 like or police like, it's not speaking our truth or, you know, is that a, a deliberate or conscious balance or is it happening very organically for you? It still happens organically, oddly enough. I think the nature of my influences that I was talking about with like U2, the police, um, even like Seal. I think like I'm coming from more of like the texture that they create with their music. We have one song, it's called Sunder, that's going to be on the new album. And it's really more about the guitar effects that I'm using that kind of harken the edge from U2. So it has this thing where if I said like, oh, you know, I was really influenced by the edges guitar playing for this part, somebody would be like, oh, I totally hear what you're talking about. It sounds like the way he was playing on like Joshua Tree or something, you know? But then there's this element of where it's like, this sounds like the Moon's Blood stuff. So you kind of have this balance where it's, this is definitely coming from a very natural, organic state of mind. It just kind of happens. In my mind, I just started playing guitar for this couple of seconds, and I was like really inspired by The Edge for that second. And then I'll write a whole song off of it. You know, it's not like I sat down and was like, this sounds like you too. Let's make a whole song that sounds like this. It's like a very small fragment of a song gets started with that, that influence, and then it kind of manifests into its own thing. I'm not the best guitar player on the planet. I really just like to write down what's in my head. 
and much of that is going to come with the fact that I really don't know what I'm doing most of the time. So I think like if I knew more about what I was doing, I think I'd be probably ripping bands off a little bit more instead of just like taking an influence from it, you know? Do you experiment a lot with creating chords and creating these textural combinations of notes? Do you layer a lot in the studio? Do you layer guitars on top of guitars to come up with these unique textures? I do, yeah. There's there's a ton of that. And it actually, in the past, it made it really hard to translate the tone of the album live because some of the stuff was like so strangely orchestrated in the studio. Also, too, you got to keep in mind, I don't know a ton about guitar theory. Like, I didn't really, like, put too much emphasis on using the music theory knowledge that I had into guitar, but we recorded with A.L. Levy, who is not only, like, music theory, he, he could be a professor for it, but his father is the Israeli Philharmonic Orchestra conductor. So we're talking about taking a guy who doesn't really think about theory, but having a guy who knows theory but doesn't really force it on you, and he's telling me, like, hey, try this, try that. You know, you should, you know, invert it like this or try it like that. And then I would do it, and I'm like hearing it. I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this live? We spend a lot of time, and we, we make it happen. My other guitar player, PJ, he's pretty much a better guitar player than I am. He can play the stuff so well that it gives me an opportunity to think about what I'm doing a little bit more, whereas in the past, with we haven't had another guitar player that's been a permanent member of the band before. So this is my first time having a dude in the band. He's got to be there. I need him. It's really come down to just having two guitar players. You said you've already been playing the music on Moon's Blood for a year now. And is it hard for you to revisit this music that is so defining of a dark period in your life that you've moved past? Is that difficult? You know, it's funny because most recently I've been struggling with almost kind of being, I guess you could say like exhausted by playing the stuff because we've been playing it so much. But for the most part, I, lo I love playing our music. We have such a good time when we play. Like you hear our music and you think this like incredibly serious, dark band who on stage we're going to have like this certain kind of thing going on. And we do, but... At the same time, when we rehearse, which is like most of the time that we're playing the music, you know, playing a show is such a small piece of, of a band's performance. We're joking and having fun and we're rocking out to it and having a good, a good time. So for me, it's like the music has really just become an exercise. The album just came out and we're going to have to play this probably for another year straight. It's weird that I've been playing this music for so long and I still like doing it. My big thanks to Jesse Zaretti for today's great conversation. Metal Brainiac is a member of Jabberjaw Media, a network of independent podcasts about music and culture. If you like today's episode, you'll love all the others we've done since we launched in May of 2015. All our episodes are at MetalBrainiac.com. You can also subscribe for free through iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Matt Pikin, wishing you a metallic week. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. Shh.